Good to be back up here with you guys. If you missed last week, you need to go check it out. I got several comments um, about last week. We had our missionary friends from Burkina Faso, West Africa, and uh, they were here. And uh, I just think you ought to go back and watch it. If anything, watch the video in the middle. And uh, to see what you're giving uh, is reaching around the world. Let me take a quick second and say hello. I know we have a lot of people traveling. We're officially into the to the summer season, and I want to uh, say hello to all of you guys watching online. Thank you for joining us. If you're visiting with us online for the first time or in the room for the first time, it's an honor to have you here. I do consider it um, a privilege that you choose to come hang out with us. And uh, anything you need, just find somebody with a name tag on that says, I'm here to help, and they will do just that. Um, I want to ask you, too, for some special uh, prayer concerns this week. On Tuesday morning at O-Dark 30, um, if you don't know what O-Dark 30 is, it just means way before I normally get up. Um, we've got a team, uh, myself and six others, we're heading out to Honduras, and uh, so we've been going through all the protocols and getting your brain core plugged and, and tested and that, you know, I was honestly, guys, this is the first time I had, all through all this, I managed to miss all the testing. I never had to get tested till Saturday, and I saw that saber he brought out to, um, to test me. But uh, anyway, thank you, Chris at Ross Drug, Chris Griner. He did, he did them for us, and he pulled it out, and he kind of looked at me like, like I was terrified. And I was, because he poked my brain. And uh, anyway, be praying for it this week. This will be our first trip back since COVID. Um, we're going to go and kind of go check out our care point where we serve the kids there in Honduras. And many of you have kids that you sponsor. And... Uh, if you have not gotten the uh, bags back, for those of you who sponsor kids, um, we'll need those this afternoon or by in the morning so we can pack them. And uh, we're only going to be gone until Saturday Saturday evening. So just be praying for us, nobody, uh, that we don't get stuck in Honduras for any reason. And uh, we all get home safe. And most of all, that lives are changed and eternities are changed. Amen? Amen. We're going to wrap up our series we've been doing for about six weeks now. We took a break last week. Uh, when the Hayslips are here, we're going to wrap up um, our series on Galatians. And I just want to give you a, a quick kind of refresher for what it was that, the, that Paul wrote, who wrote most of the New Testament, wrote letters to churches. And when he wrote those letters, he wrote them to each one and named them after the church. And he sent them correcting issues that they had, encouraging issues, things they needed to keep doing that were good. And in Galatians, he begins to teach them because they had people coming in behind him and trying to add stuff on to the gospel, trying to tell people, well, it's not just Jesus, but then you have to do these things to earn salvation. And so he begins to correct them. So in chapter 1, he talks about the difference between a, a relationship and grace, which is what Jesus brought us. Why am I cutting out here, am I? Which is what Jesus brought us, that grace and how easy is it for us to go back and forth between the, the, those gospels of, of religion and rules? And what a, what a crazy um, thing it is to go back to from grace that's free to this, this rules and religion. In chapter 2, he talks about a crucified life. Can somebody bring me one of the white ones or one of the other ones? One, hold on, we'll fix this real quick. I'm going red for you guys in the back. Check, check. There we go. All right, chapter 2 says this, that it's a crucified life. Chapter 3 says that 
Grace is a free gift. You can't earn it. People were telling the, the Galatians that um, they weren't quite saved until they had to come in and finish this work and finish earning it. Chapter 4, Paul tells them that God really wants a relationship with them. One so intimate that it's as if, he's, as if this father-son is the, is the example that he uses to be that close. But the Jews struggled with this idea. The Christians of the day even, they struggled with this idea that God could be your father. That God could be that close because they saw God as this deity that just, when they misbehaved, would smush them like a grape. And that's their view of God. So Paul's pulling them in saying, no, he really wants to have a relationship with you. And then two weeks ago, my dad was actually here and he taught chapter 5, which Paul is talking about the, the thing that brings us freedom is the Bible says that God sent us his Holy Spirit the connection directly to him, and that's the God inside of us, the implanted inside of us that lets us hear and respond and communicate, and to that brings us freedom. The Bible says that we live life by that spirit, following that voice of God within us. Today we're going to jump into the chapter 6. And now Paul is wrapping it up, and he turns to this idea that what we've received, what we're experiencing, should motivate us to something. It shouldn't just make you feel good. It should motivate you to, to move forward. The, the experience of a freedom and relationship and the love of God should push us to have this um, motivation to make a difference, is how we would say it. Make a difference in other people's lives. So let's jump right in. It's Galatians chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. Paul says, dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by sin or just messes up, anybody know somebody who's messed up? Anybody messed up yourself? Y'all are slow to quick or slow to raise your hand on the second one. Yeah, yeah, I know somebody that's messed up. Did you mess up? Nope, not me. But this is talking to us as a body. Remember, he's talking to the church. He says, if, if overcome by sin, you that are godly should gently and humbly help. I highlighted it before you're back here. Because a lot of Christians have this better than thou, holier than thou attitude when they come across somebody who's struggling, who's just blown it. And they're in a deep, dark place. The Bible does not tell you to go kick their front door in and tell them how bad they are and how bad you screwed it up and how terrible you are. And God's so disappointed in you. Which is sadly what a lot of Christians do. You see the guys that stand on the, on the corner, they, you know, they call themselves evangelists, and all they do is condemn. You're all going to hell, and they're teaching a truth because without Jesus, hell is the only option. But they're just condemning people. They're, they're, there's nothing humble about them. The Bible says of Jesus that he was humble and gentle. Now, when Jesus needed to kick tail, he could do that too. But his approach to us was gent gentleness. And a lot of us want to go, go help people and we want to beat them over the head. When sometimes what, you, what they really need is just somebody to throw an arm around them and say, listen, I've been there. It says to humbly help that person back onto the right path. And then it gives us a warning. Hey, be careful. Because they slipped on a slippery slope and guess what? You can too. It doesn't say to be ignorant about where we go and how we live our lives. You know, I was going to help and then I found myself in the same situation. If somebody's in quicksand sinking, 
Is it your best option to jump in this quicksand with them? No, you throw them a rope. You throw them a lifeline. Somebody who's drowning doesn't care how much you know or how, how smart you think you are. They want you to do what? Throw them a life jacket. No, I've never met anybody drowning that says, hey, before you throw that device that's going to save my life, could you please explain the physics and how that thing works before I receive it so that I can properly walk it out? No, they're like, I'm drowning. That floats, throw it, right? We don't, we don't wait until the, a child is in the water drowning and go, hey, maybe we should put a, a life jacket on them. No, that's, that's beforehand. That's, that's us understanding that we all can drown. He goes on to say, share each other's burdens in this way. And then he uses this phrase that's peculiar because he spends the whole first five chapters saying, hey, the law has been fulfilled in me. Don't worry, you don't have to do more. But he talks about in this way, you'll obey the law of Christ. You see, I think, as he, I think he uses this phrase because what he was pointing to was what was motivating Jesus, the thing that was, should be motivating us. And he uses this terminology that the Jews would understand, the law of Christ, and that is simply this, that Christ came and paid a price and paid a bill that you and I could never pay. And that should be a motivating factor in our lives. Of all the things we talked about in chapters 1 through 5, of all the things in life, this is what drove Christ, was to save us. And the same passion that Christ had should drive us. Now listen, I'll admit, and those of you who've been around a while and know me well, know that I have a, I have a geek side of my life. Like I, I love gadgets. I love... Um, and this is bad, but uh, I'll out Andrew with me. But when Apple has reveals, Andrew will text me, hey, are you watching the reveal? Because they're about to announce the new iPhone. They're about to announce the new iMac. And he's at work and I'm at work, but we got the little window open in the side. Some of y'all are nodding. There's some geeks in the room too. And we're watching the new life-changing Apple iWatch that can, you know, check your heart and check your blood sugar and and warns you before the world's coming to an end, and it can, it's just the best thing ever. Or the new iPhones, you know, it's the iPhone 48, and it's the size of a giant screen TV. It's going to change your life forever. And I get excited about it, and I'll even shoot Melanie a text, hey, they're about to announce the new iPhone, and you know, they cost $4,000, I've never owned one, but I'm excited about it. And I want, and she, she sends me back an emoji, like with the eyes rolled. She's not excited about it. See, the things that I'm passionate about, she's not catching it. And Paul's saying, listen, the things that Jesus is passionate about, you're, you're rolling your eyes at him. My favorite emoji is the one like this. And Melanie sends and asks me a question, that's my answer. If I don't know, I just send her that emoji. I don't know. And Paul's saying, listen, you need to know this stuff. You need to know what motivates Jesus because it should be the thing that motivates us. It should be what's motivating us to invite people on a Sunday morning in June to come to church when we could go to the beach, you could go fishing, you could go hunting, you could go here. But that you say, no, no, I, I need you to come with me because the thing I experience, I want you to experience. Which is honestly what we do on Sunday morning. 
I hope this doesn't bust anybody's bubble, but for those of you who know Jesus and you're walking with him and been around a while, we don't do church on Sunday morning for you. We do church so that you can bring the person that sit beside you that doesn't know that and hasn't experienced a, grace, a gracious, merciful, loving God. Now, we all get to participate in it. But the, the Jesus said, hey, this is what's motivating me. The law of Christ is for that I'm, I'm paying a bill that nobody can pay unless you have me to do it. Look what it says. He goes on, Paul, in, in Galatians 6, 14. He says, listen, I'm not going to boast about anything of our Lord Jesus Christ through which the world has been crucified to me and I to him. In other words, hey, I'm only going to boast about Jesus. And he says this in, in verse 15. This is what I want you to pay attention to. Now, circumcision in that time, what he's talking about doing is that was the sign to the Jews that you belong to God. That was your physical sign. Thank God he sent Jesus, and that's no longer the thing that has to, because these were men that were worried about this. And Paul is telling, listen, either one of those things doesn't mean anything. What counts is what? Say this with me. The what? The new creation. The new thing that Jesus did. The old me has passed away. The new me has been resurrected because I've got Jesus. And he begins to tell them, hey, the physical stuff doesn't matter. But you need to have people experience this new creation. In verse 10, he's saying, listen, this experience with God, you should be able to use it to make a difference. Therefore, whoever have the opportunity should do good to some people, to just the ones you like. Wait, I got it. Just the ones that look like you. No. Should do good to everyone. And then some people say, well, no, you're supposed to really take care of those in the church. Well, Paul covers that too. Look what he says. And especially those in the family of faith. Therefore, who when we have opportunity. Opportunities, I'm convinced, are all around us. And they're in, they're in reach of us probably right now. Somebody may be watching online sitting with somebody to be able to share their story back and forth. Somebody in here is thinking, I'm the only one that's going through what I'm going through right now. And the truth of the matter is, that's a lie. You're not. The Bible tells us that everyone, especially those in the family of faith, that we have a target, somebody to go through. See, this is why the journey for all of us, and we put this on the wall, we put it everywhere we go, Everything you see of all of our stuff, we tell people, hey, you need to know God, and the way you do that is through Jesus. You need to find freedom. You need to sell to your past so it doesn't keep coming with you. That, that happens really primarily as we're into grow groups and our small groups, and as you hang out with other Christians, and you can, you can realize that they found freedom. I can too. Then we ask you to discover your purpose, and that's just simply saying, God, help, help me understand why I'm here. And then that connects you to the thing we're talking about today because, God, I want to make a difference. I need to be a part of something bigger than myself. If you missed last week, that's one of the reasons I want you to go back and watch last week's service is so that we can begin to remind ourselves that we're doing something that's just bigger than Sylvania and Scriven County, that there are kids now 
probably in their 20s, that were reached and saved and met Jesus 15, 20 years ago as we started supporting this group who are now adults and serving God because you gave. That's making a difference. And that's making what we would say is an eternal difference. So real quick, to close out Galatians, I want to give you, and it's just three things, and I'm going to kind of go through these um, as deep as I can in the time I've got left. Um, But they're really easy to do. I wanted to end Galatians with something you could take these three things that Paul, what I think would be pointing at and saying, listen, we said a lot of stuff here, but if we break it down to these three things, then you can follow that and you can do that and we can walk out of here now and put these things into practice. Because I hear a lot from church members and from other Christians in our city community, like I really want to serve God and do something for him, but I really don't know who to talk to. I really don't know don't know how to do this thing. So I'm going to give it to you in three easy steps today. The first one is this. It's easy when you just pursue the people in your circle. Now, there are some people who have a lot more people that they're connected to than maybe you think you do. But the bottom line is there are people in your circle. There are people in your neighborhood. There are family members. There are friends. There's coworkers. You're on this earth because God has you linked to someone. I truly believe that. Someone that your job is to share the gospel with them. Your job is to help them meet Jesus. Your job is so they understand that there's a loving God that paid a price so you could spend the rest of your life and eternity with him. Look what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 10, 13. Paul says this, he said, we'll only boast about what has happened within the boundaries of the work God has given us, which includes this, working with you. So Paul's saying, hey, you're in my circle. You're in my realm. And that's why he's, you know, these churches that he helped start, he was contacting them. So what does that mean? What's your circle? So real quick, we're going to break it down for you. It's three things. My people... That's your family, your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers, people maybe on a, on a ball team, other parents, kids on a ball team, the people that you come in contact regularly. Your places, again, neighborhoods, ball teams, jobs, um, groups that you're a part of. Those are places where you intersect people. And then the third one is your passions. These are things that a lot, of, a lot of, I know for the guys, we did this, um, my small group on Wednesday, we did what all good red-blooded American men should be doing now, and we went and watched Top Gun 2 on the giant IMAX screen in Pooler. And, you know, it was, we laughed, it was fun. It was four guys, five guys, just going to enjoy ourselves. But we all were excited about Top Gun, and we all knew the past, and we were all commenting on the movie, and, well, this happened last time, but I didn't see it this time, and that was good about this, and didn't like this. It was those things that got us excited. It may be groups for you of, of hunting, or, again, your kids' baseball, your kids' t-ball, or soccer, or softball. But what are those things, those areas that other people share the same passions as you, that people that get excited? Those are people in your circle, 
Now listen, please hear my heart when I say this because I, I is a people too. We don't always make that easy. The people in your circle don't always make it easy to, to share the gospel, to help them, to serve them, to, to give to them. You know, I'm not pretending that what I'm, I'm not pretending that what I'm about to say is not hard because it is. And Melanie, Melanie and my personality, I can be one that I can be quick to get aggravated because I want to solve a problem. Melanie is the one in my life that kind of brings me back down to the big picture. And the big picture is this, that we need to understand that people aren't problems, they're opportunities. They're opportunities for you to share with them what God's done in your life, for you to serve them, for you to, to help, to, to be Jesus. And, the, you know, it sounds cliche now, but the hands and feet of Jesus. Maybe to do something for them. Maybe even they could do it themselves. But they just need somebody else to go, hey, I care. And people, we don't make that easy. I remember years ago, um, a friend of mine and I went and, and helped somebody and mowed their yard or did something like that. And that night we got a phone call. And it said essentially this, y'all missed a spot. And I'm thinking, oh, no, like we didn't. Like the backyard, the side yard, did you know we didn't mow the whole front yard or and I remember we ran back over there and looked and there was literally like three blades of grass. And I'm like and I just had to make a decision at that point. We blessed you, we still love you, and I reached pulled the three blades of grass, got back on the truck. But see, sometimes people don't make it easy, but it doesn't change the fact it's still an opportunity. It's still a chance to serve. I never said anything. I never said anything to the people. We blessed them and said, we love you. We're just trying to help during this difficult time in your life, and we'll make sure it's right. Now, I don't know if it was life-changing to them, but it taught me something that people aren't just problems. People have problems, but they aren't their own problems. How would you like to be identified by your problem? You walk in the door, a big sign across the front of your head says, this guy's hateful. This girl gossips. This guy does this. And be identified by your problems. See, people have problems. They themselves are not problems. And it's something I think Jesus really worked to, to try to communicate to us. The second thing, find your circle. Pursue people in your circle. And here's the key once you do that. Move toward people first. What do you mean by that, Clint? Simply this. People don't have to earn your movement. Did you do anything to earn God to move first? No. The Bible says of Jesus that God sent Jesus before you were even on the earth. The Bible says of Jesus, I think, I think he did it literally, that on the cross, the Bible says Jesus, I think he looked down through time and eternity from when he was crucified to 2022 and saw Clint standing here and all my mess and all the things that I need to work on. But I didn't have to do anything to get him to move first. And if you can have that attitude with people, sometimes it's going to come right back in your face. That's okay. People are going to just slam the door in your face, say, no, thank you. 
or it's none of your business, or I'm not ready for that, whatever it is. That's when you just say, okay. The Bible says that he just keeps knocking on our door. People need to know that they don't have to earn your movement, to earn your to earn the right to be into your life, that we offer that life to them. Does that make sense? Because a lot, even in America, we have to we tell people, you gotta earn, you gotta earn to get in into my space. You gotta show me that you care about me. So we know the one who loves us, and our job is to show that person to the person that needs it. I love the way the the, the message paraphrase version says this in Galatians 6 2. It says to stoop down. Not only stoop down and do what? Tells me that there's some exertion there. Then it says once you do that, share their burdens. And here's that word again. And complete what? The thing that drives Jesus. That it, and, it, and then Paul always had this reminder you read through his book, somewhere in there, he would give you a, hey, remember, you're not, you're not that great either. You had to have help too. And he says this, that if you do think you're too good for that, you're just deceived. You can fall apart just like everybody else. And when we begin to, to internalize that, to understand that it's what he said earlier. He said, hey, be careful when you go to help them that you don't fall down the same hole. And then this translation says of that same verse, hey, don't be deceived. You can fall. It applies to you. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 25, and I'll show it to you here in a second, but I'll give you the right before this. Jesus says to them, hey, you missed me. I was right in front of you. That homeless guy, that person who needed something to drink, that person who called you and you just wouldn't answer. And all they wanted to do was just somebody to listen. And he begins naming these things and the disciples say, well, Jesus, we, we didn't see you. And then he tells them in the, in the context and Jesus says of a king, he says, and the king will say this, that I tell you the truth, when you did this to the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were what? You were doing it to me. Yeah, we don't look, I go back to my previous point of people's problems. People are not their problems. They have them, but they are not their problems. Jesus didn't look at you that way. Jesus didn't look at you and go, oh yeah, you got a whole, I see all those problems. The Bible says that Jesus looked through all of that and looked at you and said, I don't care what your problem is, you're worth it. And if you can just for a minute, whether you're online or in the room, isolate yourself just mentally if you were the only person on this planet so that when Jesus looked down through time, you were the only one here. The Bible says he looked straight at you and says, I would have done it for you too. He didn't look and analyze your problems. He didn't look and, and um, tried to figure out you know, what you needed to do first. The Bible tells us, hey, that person you served, that person you just gave a cup of water to, that person that you just called and said, hey, how are you? Or for our generations, 
the person that you just shot a text message to, hey, I was thinking about you today, how are you doing? And they respond, well, actually, the Bible says all of that stuff is now, you're doing it for Jesus. And the law of Christ, the, the law that he, I believe he's talking about, the thing that Paul said, hey, that needs to motivate you. A lot of us as Christians, we don't internalize. It's we say, thank you, God, for helping me. And we, I know we got to evangelize and invite people to church. And we just kind of throw it out there. But I don't think we have the same perspective that Jesus did. Because we still begin to look and see people and identify them by what? Their problems. Their issues. We have labels for everybody. Labels for everything. And I think Jesus is, Paul is telling us in this, hey, as I'm finishing up Galatians here, I'm finishing this up. Don't go back to the old religious law. Don't go back to uh, works to receive grace. Give grace freely. But remember, as you do this, you're doing it for me. So pursue people in your circle. Move toward people first. And then the third one. And I realize guys were early. Some of y'all may want to warn the kids' church. Um, number three. Once you pursue them, once you show them they have value because you pursued them first, and here's the third one. Point them to Jesus, then to his church. Point them to someone that, point someone to Jesus and say, listen, this is not me. Ushers, you guys can do your thing too, if y'all. Point them to something that says, hey, I've got this in control. You don't ever have to pretend to people, hey, I've got this all figured out. I've got, I've got it all figured out. If you just come, come with me to church and I'll, and I'll tell you, I explain everything. All you have to tell people is listen, I was in a terrible place. This was my problem. This is what the world identified me by. But Jesus didn't care. And then why is church? Because then our job is to make them understand. One, I believe, be living examples. To stand before people and go, listen, I may not be perfect, but if you could have seen me last year. Anybody identify with that? Like, I know I'm not perfect, but if you could have seen me two years ago, ten years ago, and you see me now, you'll know there's a God, and you'll know his son Jesus is real because look at the difference in me. Then I believe that we're, the part of what Paul is saying is now bring them and connect them to the body. All through the, the Gospels, the Bible talks about being the, the vines connected to the stalk and the trunk and the trunks connected to the roots that we're, we're connected. It's one of the reasons if you're watching online, thank you. For those of you who will be traveling in the future, don't disconnect for the next several weeks or summertime as you're traveling. Find a way to stay connected. Watch the services with your family. Stay in contact with, with your circle because the moment you disconnect, you disconnect from the thing that God put here to help us move forward. 
connect them to church. And I believe that people will begin to see it in you. And it says directly that in Acts chapter 4, verse 13. Peter and John, the Bible tells that, think about how to explain this. Peter and John, let me just read it to you. Peter and John, for they could see that there, it's not Peter and John looking, it's people looking at Peter and John. For these people could see that Peter and John, that they were not some supreme being. They were not some, some smarty pants. They were not special, but it says they were ordinary men with no special training. Now, without killing kind of a somber, I mean, a spiritual moment where I really want you thinking about this. How many of you have Bible degrees? One. I have, I have one. I joke with Melanie that that Bible degree represents my search for her because that's where I met Melanie in Bible school at Oral Roberts. But he says then, listen, those Bible degrees are great. Go to school, get all the knowledge, the wisdom you can. He says, but these guys had no special training in the scriptures. And these are your world changers. And this is Paul who wrote most of the New Testament writing this. And then they say, they also recognize something else about them. Not that they had degrees, not that they were important, not that they had money, not that they drove the nicest car, not that they were the most eloquent of speakers. They noticed one thing, what? They had been with Jesus. Now you don't over-spiritualize this. Don't think that when you walk into a room, if you don't kind of levitate through the door because of your holiness, that's not what I'm talking about. Because the Bible says Jesus got down in the dirtiest places, the nastiest places. He talked to people that society said he shouldn't talk to. He went places where their, their custom said you shouldn't be here. Jesus literally touched people, physically laid hands on people that their, their custom said you can't do that. That was the like you couldn't come back from that and Jesus did it anyway so just for a few minutes I just want you to be will just close your eyes bow your head I want to read Galatians 6 verse 8 and 9 I'm going to read it to you it's on the notes you can get it later but in Galatians 6 verse 8 and 9 the Bible says this and again Paul cautions us and he says hey if you're going to live by the sinful nature, the flesh, then what you're going to get is decay and death because that's not what sustains you. Then he goes on. He says, but those who live to please the Spirit, it's a capital S, to please God, will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. I, I truly believe that's not only your everlasting life, but the Bible talks about the harvest and the harvest in the New Testament means those are people coming to know Jesus that will live with in eternity with him forever. And it says you're going to harvest everlasting life. And in verse nine, and then he encourages them. And this is my encouragement to you today. And then I'm gonna pray for you.
We're going to go enjoy our afternoon. Paul says, so let's not get tired of doing what is good. Just because you don't see fruit from it the first time, the second time, the third time, the fourth time, doesn't mean it's not coming. Don't give up. Paul goes on to say, at just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Now, as you're sitting there with your eyes closed, your head bowed, we're going to sing one more song in a minute, just like we always do. But I just want you to kind of internalize this. Two things. You're worth it. And the people in your circle are worth it. And God, I ask you now for your grace and your mercy, not only in our lives, but help us show other people the same experience we've had with you. Help us demonstrate to those in our circle, those people in our, in our, our areas of influence, those people who share our passion for things in life. God, let us share our, your passion for them being in eternity with you. And God, I thank you for it now. God, for those who are in the room and say, well, Clint, I need this start over. I need to push the do-over button. I need Jesus to, to help me. I need eternity. God, for those people, may they know you're close, knocking on their door. And if that's you this morning, the Bible says it's this simple. Whether you're on vacation sitting in a condo somewhere on the beach or you're sitting here in the room, the Bible says if you confess it with your mouth, you believe it with your heart that Jesus is the Son of God. He came and died and rose for you, paid the price for your mess. Then the Bible says that's your starting place. That's your prayer. Just right where you sit, wherever in the world you may be, that's where it starts. To know God starts you on the journey to being able to join the rest of us and make an eternal difference in the world. If that's you, it's a simple prayer just like this. God, forgive me. Forgive me of my mess. God, I know you sent your son Jesus for me, and I receive that and all that he is. And God, today I choose to follow him. And I thank you, God, for helping me start the process of getting life right. And I thank you for it now in Jesus' name. Amen. It's as simple as that. If you did that this morning, whether you're online or in the room, you can shoot that little code with your camera phone in front of you or fill out the card. We just want to send you some next steps. For the rest of you, I want you to leave here today remembering this verse. Don't give up. If you think, Clint, well, I'm, I'm not going to give up because I haven't really started. Then start. Start meeting people in your circle. Start finding out who in Sylvania and Scrabman County and your work that, that just needs some, a place to go to feel loved. And if you'll get them here, there's no doubt in my mind that one, God will love them. But two, you guys are good at that. You guys are good at making people feel loved and feel at home. And we've got work to do. Amen? Amen. Why don't you stand with me? I'm going to bless your day and then we're going to sing one more song. God, I thank you that I get to be a part of this.
God, that I get to be a part of something bigger than myself to make a difference in the world that's eternal. God, I ask you for all of us, all those within the sound of my voice, watching online, God, that you send us out of here with an extra pep in our step, a little more determination, a little more motivation to see people loved on, cared for, and most of all, see them know you. And God, I thank you for that now. And I thank you for it. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.